LDB, 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 LDB. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, LDB. Uh, it is a time for another podcast, and we have one week in the books. I'm your host, Chris Schutzer, along with some fellow hosts. We've got our co-commissioner, Mr. Matt Starr. Matt, say hi. How you doing? Good to be back after a week off of due to shitty Sunday work. There you go. And uh, we also have Michael Becker, a co-host on the show. Michael, say hi. Hello, everybody. And we have a special guest. We're, we're continuing our, our thread of guests today. We've got Mr. Jeff Peterson. Jeff, how are you? I am well. How are you all? Uh, we are, well, I shouldn't speak for everybody else. I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, and Star and Becker, how are you guys doing? You know, I'm enjoying, well, I was enjoying some wonderful weather outside until I came inside to, to record this podcast, so I can't complain. I was it's a master's, nice. master's Sunday. It's gorgeous weather. And uh, I have two more remaining weeks uh, uh, as a single man. So all is good. Oh, man, that's coming up for you, isn't it? It is. Very weeks. exciting. Thank you. Very exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Those who uh, obviously are not here as we do this live can't see that Becker has his wedding haircut, but he's looking very sharp. Um, very dapper. Yeah. I asked for racing stripes on the sides. I really wanted to come home with racing stripes and say, sweetheart, take a look at my new wedding haircut. And uh, Elizabeth would have just exploded on me. You would have looked like me in third grade. <laughs> I, sounds great. I can only imagine. Uh, you know, like her name, like, you know, stenciled in there maybe? Yeah, star or something. Mm -hmm. Or like, yeah, initials yeah. in the back. Oh yeah, I with a forever. Remember when Russell Westbrook used to have wacky hair at UCLA and had all sorts of weird shit stenciled into his hair? I mean, that's that that signals to me this is a special occasion and I'm here to ball. You have to be bold in love, Becker. And <laughs> there's nothing more bold than stenciling your betrothed initials in the back of your skull. You've given me a great idea. So I, uh, when Elizabeth comes back from her haircut momentarily, I'll, I'll raise it with her. There we Thank go. Thank you, guys. There we go. I honestly she could do it too. She could do like an undercut underneath. Yeah, there you go. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly wish that there was a way that you could like do this as a practical joke, but have it not be real so that you could <laughs> totally freak her out and then, uh, you know, have it come back. But I don't think that's going to work out. Not with a two week uh, timeline here. <laughs> um, so Peterson, you are our guest today and we want to put you uh, on the spot just with some, uh, you know, how are things going kind of questions before we get into the meat of this podcast. But sure. Um, you know, in, in the spirit of uh, trying to continue the get to know you aspect of this podcast so that everybody feels that they know each other. Mm -hmm. How long have you been in LDB now? Are you 10 years? No, not yet. I am creeping up there, though. I joined LDB. My first season was 2013. And I joined the same season as Jeff Jordy. Uh, in fact, Jeff Jordy and I, um, I specifically remember we came in and I believe we replaced Matt and Elon, if I'm no, not mistaken. It no, it was Nat and Jack, I believe. Jack, that's right. Um, and from what I recall, one of them had a, <laughs> one of them had a spectacular team and the other one had a terrible team. And uh, to avoid uh, anyone kind of playing favorites or one getting a, uh, 
advantage over the other. They had split up the team. Me and Jeff had done a, uh, um, a side draft. And uh, yeah, so 2013 was my first draft. I'm going to go ahead and guess knowing Jack that he had the terrible team. Am I correct? Yeah, I'm seeing star nod right there. So there you go. And Jack, if you ever listen to this, shame on you, sir. Um, <laughs> you know, that said, uh, that's a really fun way to do things, I think, in, in fantasy when you get two teams that join because it gives owners an immediate sense of agency. So do you remember in that draft, like drafting anyone that you were immediately like, yes, this is my guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, Manny Machado. Uh, I got Manny Machado, I believe believe he was still double a he may have been an s1 or an h1 at the time yeah i think he was uh, homegrown but he was early on in that homegrown. yeah he had he had already been called up but um i remember grabbing manny machado i also remember uh <laughs> so not only were the um actual homegrowns and uh keepers uh up for draft but the draft picks as well and i remember early on grabbing the first overall draft pick uh which ended up turning into Jose Fernandez. Wow. So that was, that was, that was my first uh, draft pick ever was Jose Fernandez. God rest his soul. I usually feel like I know just how to react on a podcast, but like that one, like hit me actually, it kind of hit me in the stomach. Yeah. That's um, what I still think about where I, you know, remember the, the game with D Gordon hitting that home run still brings tears to my eyes, but yeah. Yeah, but no, that was those were the two guys I remember. I remember having Jason Kipnis, um, Todd Frazier. Um, I, it was a pretty good team. I mean, I, I it was it was a team that got me to the 2015 playoffs, and that was my only playoff appearance. So. Yeah, I, I believe Nat was like a year removed from a championship there, and his team was just loaded. Um, and the rare, the rare situation where somebody leaves a league with a team in actual good shape, which is rarely the situation that you encounter when you take over a team in a league like this. I, I have to imagine, though, that uh, that was kind of fun to have like that rebuild. And so it's, it's fun to hear the names of the guys that you took. And, and actually, I do remember you having a lot of those players. So it, it's it, as I think about LDB, I, I immediately associate players with with owners. Um, oh, so in, in an effort to not ask our guests the same questions every time, uh, Peterson, I know you're a Cubs fan, but rather than ask you about your favorite players, I want to know what you did the night they won the World Series. Walk us through that evening. I cried so much. Um, so um, I can tell you, man. So the night they won it, like after they won it, what I did, or like the day up to you can give us whatever you want, man. This is going to be good. Man, because I remember it was the, uh, it happened on November 2nd, 2016. And I remember not being able to get any work done that day because I was so nervous going into game seven. Um, watched the game. And it, it, I mean, I, the, the, the big moments I remember the most are, uh, Dexter Fowler's leadoff home run. Uh, the, I remember David Ross's home run. Uh, and I remember distinctly uh, Chapman blowing it uh, by giving up that home run to uh, Rajay Davis, <laughs> which I believe was in the like eighth or ninth inning, um, which ended up, I believe, tying it up. 
Um, at which point, Rajay Davis was actually on my team, on my fantasy team. Um, at which point, I believe five minutes later, I immediately dropped him. <laughs> that is phenomenal. <laughs> and I do remember that, actually. I do recall. I was so pissed, but I was just like, nope, I don't care. I'm not going to keep him. Just keep that. He's done. He's never a whacker ever again. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, the, just the, they, they went into the rain delay. Um, I was so nervous. I ended up drinking about a, a, a quarter of a fifth of uh, rye whiskey. I think I had bullet on hand. Um, ended up getting loaded watching going into the 10th. They won it. I broke down in tears. And then I proceeded to stay up and just soak in the um, absolute, just the pure joy that I was feeling um, up until about 2.30 that night. I woke up the next morning and then proceeded to not work at all at work the next day because I was so hungover. Uh, so that was two days of work lost. Please don't tell my employer. Um, but yeah, it was probably one of the best days of my life. I, I don't think your employer would actually have a problem with it. I mean, I think when you stop and think about the cultural significance of Chicago getting a World Series, yeah, you're drinking out of a World Series cup right there. Mm -hmm. Again, we all have the visual, you guys don't, but it, it, was, it was a perfectly placed moment where Jeff just lifted up his glass of water or vodka, we're not quite sure, um, with, uh, with the you know, Chicago Cubs World Series insignia on it. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think any employer is allowed to fault anyone for the day after a World Series win, especially when you've, it's your first. Um, and that, you know, that's a good story. I, I, I appreciate hearing it. Um, yeah. You grew up, in, yeah, you did grow up in Chicago, yeah? I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, yeah. I grew up uh, about 25 minutes due west of Chicago proper uh, in a town called Glen Ellen, Illinois, uh, which is not entirely famous, but it is noted that uh, if you ever remember the... Uh, um, the uh, 80s coming-of-age movie Lucas, starring uh, Corey Haim, uh, young Charlie Sheen, and a young Winona Ryder uh, that took place in my high school. There you go. Yeah. That's really something. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to keep us moving along because there's like two or three specific Jeff Peterson-style questions I want to ask you before we even get to the non-baseball nerd alert segment that I've got planned. Um, and the first one is, you know, we all wanted to bring you on from the very beginning because you and Star, I'm actually going to get out of the way here in a moment, but you and Star had this big email thread going back and forth about, is he going to bring up his guys? He's not going to bring up his guys. Jeff, take a moment just here for us and, and walk us through the decision-making process of bringing up Bo Bichette, bringing up all your other studs. Um, so, uh, man, a lot, <laughs> there were guys I knew I was going to break up no matter what. I'll go ahead and preface it by, by saying that, um, I was going to bring up Hiura, uh, no matter what I was going to bring up, uh, until he went on the IL, uh, this past week, I was going to bring up Trent Grisham and, um, I believe the other one was going to be, no, actually Bob, yeah, Bob was a maybe Carlson was a maybe, um, with, with Bo Bichette <laughs> and Carlson, um, it was a matter of, I was trying to think long-term in terms of just, uh, you, you look at a guy like Brophy, right? And, and you look at when, I would say just about every homegrown he has, save for just, just a couple, um, all of them are, are, are super twos. 
And I was trying my best to <laughs> essentially mimic Brophy, who is one of the most successful people in this league. And just and and try to just take my time with it and i'd already worked on trying to acquire these guys and let's just try to hold on to them for as long as possible and i thought super two would be the best way to do it um ultimately uh i was again going to bring up grisham that didn't work out uh i'm going to bring him up next week though uh spoiler alert um and um and i think there would just been that back and forth between me and star and I think finally I came to the conclusion that, um, you know what, you got these guys, you got them for four years still. <laughs> it doesn't have to be four and a half. May as well play with your toys. So that is when I decided to just bring up everybody. And I, and I strongly support that. <laughs> Thanks. Really, Matt? You I, thought, I thought you were trying to convince him not to do it. I'm, I'm very confused here. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, Super so, 2 is overrated. Who's underrated? Super 2 is overrated. I, I think in the situations where you can, you know, sort of wait for the season to unfold before your eyes and then uh, let your needs declare themselves. That's, that's the situation where I've seen it be useful. Um, where, like, if you're, if you're not sure if you're in it or you're out and it's not going to make or break your season, then I, I think sometimes it helps to delay. I also think for some of these juggernaut squal, uh, squ uh, style squads um, like Jorvis and um, and eventually what Mark's going to go through, I think you have to time the financials as well. Because if you end up with a bunch of H4s uh, or a bunch of S4s, that's actually very different in terms of your savings versus you know having H1, H2, um, so forth. So that's what seven point five million a pop. Yeah, they can be. I mean, that can be that can weigh you down. Yeah, I mean, if you if you run the numbers on it, uh, it's you know I did this a few years ago, but it's really only, you only save money over the course of the contract if a guy is like a fifteen million dollar guy uh, per year, because otherwise that huge number in the fourth year really kind of wipes out the savings. So like any sort of middling guy like should never be a super two. Like if if you don't think the guy's going to be worth fifteen million, there's no reason to wait to super two. Yeah. I love that you've actually looked at the financial numbers because I've never <laughs> dug that deep. I just I just looked at it purely as how long can I play with these toys, and um, I was just assumed like you know super two you get them for longer that's great. Then so, the yeah. toughest super two decision I ever had to make in LDB involved uh, Reynaldo Lopez and whether I would promote him as a super two and. Uh, Looking back now, that is uh, very quaint. <laughs> I think that I think that's very illustra illustrative of why like waiting for super twos is kind of a fool's errand because like how many of these guys are actually still relevant in five years? You know, like so many of these guys just like will blow up in your face. Oh, my thought process was, but I can get them in twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, Ronaldo Lopez is going to be teaching high school baseball and physical education. That's so well, sad. That is really sad. I mean, this, this <laughs> podcast has already now twice gone to dark places. Um, no offense to physical education instructors. I have several friends who are PE teachers and they do great work. But, <laughs> I just don't uh, want to own them in LDB either. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Balto is not bringing value to my boys. Well, already Hirora, uh, Keston Hiora is already uh, looking iffy, so. 
See what happens. You got to get. You got to give him some time. Yeah. You got to give him some time. We'll, we'll talk about that in the Mirage part. We'll I think you know maybe we will. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think uh, as I as I watch the clock, it's time to move on. And I know Michael Becker has planned a Dungeons and Dragons segment for us, where he's going to be the dungeon master uh, of a baseball themed. Uh, Jeff, no, I'm I'm just messing with Becker right now, guys. I we are not going to have Becker try to lead a Dungeons and Dragons style. Um segment however I try. I try. you find yourself in a dugout so you're <laughs> your best friend you find yourself <laughs> down seven five <laughs> that's really where i'm at right now um the pitcher's having a no hitter do you go and talk to him <laughs> no <laughs> yeah uh, you do not go and talk to him that's exactly right um so i thought it actually might be kind of fun uh instead to, to have like a little bit of a education phase here because uh, i know you're an expert on magic cards you're an expert on dungeons and dragons you're also i you know this could be the board game bod- uh, podcast because i know you are probably as into board games as i am in stars uh, but i figured actually we should start with some dungeons and dragons and see where it leads us um are you playing like on the regular at this point uh currently yes i um and and it, i mean you're gonna have to define what on the regular is but i am currently in a campaign uh that is uh right now coming up on the three-year mark and so that has a dungeon master that's uh working for you every time it does yes it's a it's a dungeon master it's one of my buddies uh, his name is dj uh he's been running it since the beginning and uh he uh and a group of guys that uh uh, my wife hung out with in college um they decided they were going to get a uh campaign together they were going to use one of the I mean, dozens of modules that are out there uh, for Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, they invited me and my wife. And so we said yes. And yeah, we've been playing for coming up on three years now. Now, do you use the same characters in all of your campaigns? Like, like No. Okay. No. So it depends on, yeah. So like right now I've got a character uh, that is a, a dwarf fighter uh, named Falcus. And uh, this is the only time I have ever used this character. And if I go to do another campaign, whether it be with DJ or someone else, uh, I will use a whole new character. Unless, of course, the storyline warrants it, but in this case, it won't. But does, is it the dungeon master who comes up with the characters and then assigns them to you? Or do you come with your own character and you enter their world? So I come with my own character. So uh, generally what you wanna do uh, in the beginning of a campaign is have a session zero uh, in which the dungeon master is gonna sit down with everybody involved, talk them through what they can expect as part of this campaign, and then work with them in creating their characters. And generally what this means is just rolling dice to determine what their stats are gonna be, like strength, dexterity, charisma. However, sometimes if you're just going to have a real short campaign or maybe just a one-off, which is just like a couple hours with some buddies over some drinks, uh, the dungeon master will sometimes have characters already created and they'll just pass them out. uh, And then you just play with what's in front of you. I love it. And Star, I see you want to say something. So go for it. I I just like to talk about, uh, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons is nerdy, but perhaps the nerdiest thing I've ever done in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign is I had a campaign, I actually was in a campaign with Jeff many years ago, and I had a character that I really loved. Um, and I started a new campaign, and I didn't actually like my character that much. And so I wrote, I worked with the dungeon master to write like a side story to the campaign to get 
my original character like naturally woven back into the story so that we could kill my new character and bring the old character back so I could start playing as him again. That is that is phenomenal. And so I, I, I will say uh, it actually also provides a nice segue for what I wanted to put Peterson on the spot to do. And again, like I try to do in this podcast a little bit with this first segment, I, I don't want to give anybody any warning as to what I'm going to do. So Peterson, I'm, I'm hopeful that you might take three or four of the LDB teams uh-huh. and give them a character that you think is, it, it fits the mold of what they've been over the last few seasons and where the direction that they're going. And to, to make it easy for you, I would like for you to start with your own squad. Uh, are, you, are you an elf? Are you a dwarf? Are you, are you, you certainly got some charisma going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Agility, like what are the skills? What are we working with? Tell us uh, the, the Whitey Whackers, what is their character? Oh my God. Where did you come up with this, Chris? <laughs> okay, on the spot. The Whitey Whackers team would be a, I'm gonna say a, human uh it's gonna sound boring but that's just what my team is it's a human fighter that um and the reason i chose human is that they are a um a a uh, jack of all trades master of none uh kind of character usually uh which my team quite often is (laughs) uh in that i can usually compete compete pretty well and then never quite make it in the end. Um, and I would say fighter because I, all but maybe one or two seasons, I have actively competed um, and tried my best to make it to the playoffs. Now, granted, uh, I'm going to have some bruises by the end of it, but then the next year I'll come back and attempt to try it again. So that is my team. I dig it. I dig it. Star, since you are the only other one here who's played before, do you approve of his uh, overall character for his, his squad, his mascot, if you will? I, I feel like he didn't give himself enough credit. I feel like he made like, he made, like the most boring choice. I, w- I would have called him like a, you know, a gnome, a gnome wizard or something, you know, like a, a, <laughs> an underdog with potential to, uh, to you know, like for, to, to hit above their, punch above their weight. Yeah, that's that's could have gone with a sorcerer with wild magic because <laughs> I'll, I'll roll the dice every time and then you know sometimes it's just going to go off in a different direction that i never really wanted to go due to you know guys on the il or what have you but yeah that could have been another direction all right so so peterson rather than than really make you react I, i'm going to give you a dealer's choice here mm-hmm. why don't you pick a, another t- uh, team or two uh, within the league that you feel like based on the performance of the last couple of years, you feel you could assign a character. Oh my God. I am going to, um, I'm going to pick Mark and I'm going to pick Mark because uh, I'm, he is going to be a, Oh, someone who's dexterous. We're going to say an elf, an elf rogue who, a dark elf rogue, by the way, who hides in the shadows and is always waiting, <laughs> just waiting to strike. And then when the moment's right and no one's looking, he's going to come and get you. And then he's going to, yeah. He's going to so, be, 
the 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 attack of like a thousand arrows right <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah just a thousand little dagger stabs um i think that is the sleeping dragon that is that is waiting so i'm gonna i'm gonna say for mark he's gonna be a dark elf rogue oh i was cracking up so hard as you did that on mute all right uh star you, star becker you want to react <laughs> I mean that, that, that's perfect. I, I I have no 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 critiques, no notes. I don't know what any of this means, <laughs> but I appreciate Jeff's passion. I think that's right. Oh man, I'm loving it. Uh, Peterson, you want to give us one more? Yeah. Um, let's do. <laughs> let's do Brophy. Let's Can say I, I want to do Brophy, but you you, you want to do Brophy? Uh, you go first. I'll I'll, I'll I mean I want I want to hear what yours is after mine. But I would say for Brophy, um, he is a uh, he is a Goliath. Um, we'll say a Goliath. Oh man, we'll say a Goliath barbarian. And he is a lumbering giant that is always around. <laughs> No matter how much you kick him down, he's always going to get back up. Uh, and uh, you think you may have him when you're facing him every week. You're like, you know what? Maybe this is the week I'm going to beat Brophy. But no, Brophy, that lumbering Goliath barbarian is going to kick your ass every time. Uh, sorry, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, you go uh, <laughs> Fuck yeah, you are. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a, a Goliath barbarian is what Brophy is. I I love it. I actually I I don't know if giants are a thing in in Dungeons and Dragons, but I was gonna go with a giant of some kind. So Goliath works. I I, I approve. Um, how do you feel about being put on the spot for one last one? Just because I think it might provide a little a little comedic relief. Please have to. Uh, yeah. Can you give us Ryan? Ooh. Uh... Ryan is a uh, <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm gonna say Ryan is a dwarf artificer. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna say artificer because he loves to tinker. Uh, he is the, uh, the, the I mean, he is the rules lawyer. Um, he is. I mean, he's, he's definitely crafty. Um, he's one that's not always gonna, you know, you, if you ever go up against Ryan, you're never quite sure what may happen um, or what tools or tricks uh, might come out of uh, playing against him. Uh, and I've picked Dwarf just because uh, I feel like he's kind of got that um, surly vibe. And it's not a commentary on his height, Jeff? Not, not a, no, because I'm the same height as him. So I have no... <laughs> I have no, uh, you know, can't hold that against him. So no, I would, I would say it's more for his just general surly nature that we all love him for. I, I have to say, uh, I'm going to give a moment in LDB history in a moment, but first I got to give you my own personal round of applause for that because well I was on well the spot done. with, with no warning and you not only delivered, but like the descriptions were just phenomenal to listen to. I, I really enjoyed that. Thank uh, you. And, no, and, I will say I, I, I was a little surprised that Hughes was not a troll of some sort. You know? Oh, that would be great! Oh, like a goblin or a kobold, maybe. But no troll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since we're talking Hughes, I I will say I I have fully gone from uh, 
where I was on day one, which was extraordinarily angry and upset to now I find it so humorous, the fight that he and I got in about four years ago, where I gave him a low ball trade offer and he just emailed it to the league. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? <laughs> it was like, at, at first, what was the trade? What, was the trade? what the fuck is this? And he, and he responded to the whole league and was like, I'm not quite sure what to do with this. So I'm just going to send it to everybody because this is the most ridiculous offer I've ever, you guys remember this? I think it was like yeah. at the deadline. I don't um, remember this, but to be fair, Chris, you made a lot of low ball offers. Yeah, I don't bring dog shit to the trade table. I would, you know, I'd like to think I've gotten better at this over time, but yes, in the beginning, I think I was really figuring things out. Uh, I, I remember that you were really upset about it. And like, I was really angry about it at the time. I was like, who takes that shit public? But you know what? He should have, and it was funny. And Ryan, I apologize for my reaction if you're listening. Um, anyway, uh, so Jeff, that was that was great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for doing that for us. Oh, you're um, so I don't know when everyone's gonna listen to this. I'm hoping relatively soon. It is currently 2.35 on Sunday. We are starting to have a pretty good sense of what happened in week one. Uh, I know that there are several matchups that are incredibly close, including mine. And I had to really resist the urge to tell everybody here that uh, Garcia homered to give me the home run lead over, over uh, uh, Mark as we were talking. So that's, that's good, uh, but there's still a long way to go there. Um, that said, uh, I, I do want to have a little bit of a segment on baseball slash LDB and what we've seen so far in week one. So I did give everybody warning on this one. Becker, we will be starting with you. So get your, get your notes ready. Um, so I'm going to open things up with, a, with just a general question of what stands out after one week of baseball. And then we're going to get into some, you know, pretenders versus the, the real thing, guys. Um, and you guys can take this in, in, in an LDB direction. You can take it in an MLB direction, whatever you want to do. So Becker, what stands out to you after one week of baseball? I think the amount of relievers being used in, in the low innings. I mean, I, I kind of thought that might be the case coming in. And like I said last time, it's kind of borne out. Um, I will be very curious as pitchers start to ramp up uh, whether that trend continues. Uh, I've, so that's something I, I've been watching a lot. Um, in LDB worlds, you know what has stood out? And this is kind of similar, uh, uh, Stars pitching staff, uh, just totally, totally dominant. We thought that would be the case. It has been the case after 10 days. Um, he's going to have some, some tremendous matchups moving forward that makes him a really strong team. It is a scary staff. And Matt, I think we're going to give you a couple minutes in a few just to talk us through it. But um... Uh, it is an incredible staff, and I, I, I think you should be proud. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Peterson, how about you, man? What stands out to you so far in, in the baseball season? Uh, I think for me, it's just the number of injuries. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, I feel like it was on somebody's bold predictions uh, that there would just be this many injuries. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I think it's just some of the major ones just being, uh, obviously, was it Satis is out. Um, I mean, um, Trevor Rosenthal is now going to be out with, a, a, a with shoulder surgery. Um, I mean, just, it, it, I think Dexter Fowler just went, I mean, granted, this isn't really related to <laughs> no one's drafted Dexter Fowler, but Dexter Fowler is now, uh, going to be out for, uh, for several, uh, several months. Um, uh, it's just, 
and, and I think that kind of leads to um, just the amount of relievers that are being used that Becker brought up, um, just trying to uh, ward off any sort of overuse of pitchers. Um, I think it's amazing. And on that note, I mean, just being able to noting that there's two complete games already in the first week and no one's worried about like those pitchers being overused in the first week with, uh, with Musgrove and with, uh, uh, with Lance Lynn. Um, I mean, that, that, that kind of shocked me too, but uh, um, I, I would say it's just a number of injuries, just decimating teams. Star. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say something similar to that. Um, I don't really have a whole lot new to add, but yeah, the, the number of serious injuries to prominent players already has been, pretty shocking and I you know you wonder if if this is partly due to you know everyone getting thrown off their routine a year ago and just not you know like you, you wonder about like what the amount of time off that guys had last year has done to you know conditioning and preparing for a full season I don't know like just, just the throw off of the routine is that is that being factored in here is that happening I don't know uh, uh, Mike Trout uh, is in fact still good at baseball. In case anyone was wondering, um, that's a thing. Uh, he fixed his swing, right? <laughs> he fixed his broken swing, and uh, now he went from being the best ever to the best ever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder uh, on on your on your commentary on on the innings uh, thing. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, I think what we've seen so far is a lot of guys being pulled at like you know eighty. 80, 85 pitches, things like that. I think I saw in the first go round there were like two guys who threw 100 pitches in their first start of the season. Um, now I'm curious to see how down those numbers stay. If this is an early season thing, or if this is a oh, let's protect these guys thing. Right. So every this happens every year where uh, they're on pitch counts for at least the first two, three starts until they ramp up. Unless you're a guy like Johnny Cueto who has a track record of just throwing a ton um but yeah I, I i think it continues and actually the the one thing that i'm also watching and i think this is a change in manager behavior remember how often managers used to leave guys in for five innings solely so that that pitcher can get a win i think i think we've moved well beyond that um everybody that was most important at the arbitration table and i think everyone has gotten smart to the fact that wins um are a bullshit statistic and they're not the best indicator of performance. So I think we will also have managers who are more willing to yank a guy with an out or two in the fourth. Uh, so that might contribute ever so slightly, but I saw a few occasions where guys were being pulled after four, uh, four and two thirds. And I still play in a Yahoo league that counts wins. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why didn't you let Jose or Kitty get one more out? But uh, I, I think I think we're we're moving beyond that, and, and for good reason. Yeah, I'm going to give a really quick reaction because I think you guys have heard enough from me today. But I'll take a slightly different stance here, uh, not about the innings, but just the dominance of starting pitchers so far in Week One. I mean, I think as we talk about Matt uh, and his and his lineup, there's a number of pitchers that have been lights out to start this year. I I wonder if it's the same as it historically has been. Um, you know, Musgrove obviously stands out, but uh, DeGrom has been his usual self, just absolutely dominant. Strasburg's a guy that in his first start, I think everyone had eyes on. He pitched with one hit and, and two walks, I believe, or maybe three walks. 
in his first outing, went six innings, struck out like 10, looked amazing. Um, uh, there, you know, I, I feel like uh, every really strong strikeout pitcher has posted huge K numbers and maybe they're not going deep into games, but they are crazy dominant while they're there. Um, are you guys noticing this as well? Or am I on an Island? Yeah. I mean, I think we usually see pitchers ahead of hitters this time of year. And it, I don't know, I don't know what the overall uh, offense looks like compared to normal year, but it does seem like the guys, the, like the aces are pitching like aces and like, I don't know if it was universal, but like so many of those guys just have been absolutely dominant right out the gate this year. Jose sure. Barrios had a phenomenal first start. Yeah. Has there I been think... a starting pitcher that you would say has like really shot the bed? Like and anybody that you were expecting was going to be a top 10 guy that's been terrible. Castillo had one bad start, but then he redeemed himself. So did Maeda. So did Flaherty. And they, I think they all had redeeming second starts. I think we all understood that the top three pitchers were going to be unhittable after, after um, you know, maybe 10 days of watching the season. I think that number is, is grown a little bit um, to include say Corbin Burns and others. I think the cliff though, from absolutely unhittable to just dog shit is, is going to be more pronounced than at least I, I thought and predicted moving in. So maybe the elite group is, is going to be larger than initially thought, but uh, that middle ground, those middle tier p- pitchers that usually are, are valuable, at least in LDB, uh, they're going to be some really bad looking starts. Cool. All right. To ensure that we keep moving things along and get to everything we want to get to today, I'm going to take us to the next question. We're going to call this one the, the real versus Mirage. All right. Um, you guys can take this any direction you want. It can be LDB. It can be baseball. Um, Star, I'm going to start with you. Reverse the order. Uh, I will. Um, so let's let's start. All right, let, let's talk about Becker's team. Becker's team is going to win. Is about to beat Ian twelve nothing on the on the first week, uh, and and talk about whether this is uh, this is real or a mirage. Um, you know, I, I think Becker, their Becker's pitching has been great. Uh, I think that's that's probably the big surprise thus far. I mean, you got what a sub three ERA. That's huge. I think that was certainly not what I would have expected. I think the long week probably uh, helped there. The bullpen is great. Allowed the bullpen to pitch some more innings. Uh, I think I think the question still remains on the starting pitching here. Um, and I, Becker, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about it after a week. I think that the long week really benefited your team just because of the kind of shallowness of the starting pitching and the strong relief core that really benefit. And we'll see if you can, your team keep this up. I think that's, that's going to be the question. Yeah. Star, you're being far too generous. My, my boys are not very good. Uh, they're predicted to finish 13th. And I think that was an accurate prediction. So, you know, no need to pay attention to what the tones are doing early in the season. Because as you said, the numbers are slightly inflated by the long week one. I'm going to struggle on a weekly basis to get innings um, and especially competent innings. So, you know, really, if I had to, if, if you give me the, the choice of for real or mirage, I say it's a mirage. So look away, you know, get back to me in a few weeks, we'll talk. 
I feel like you're telling us to look away so you can like keep working the same magic you worked last year, but I, you know, we'll, we'll leave that be for now. Uh, Peterson, what about, what about for you? Any, any real versus Mirage things from uh, LDB or MLB? So this is one I'm just going to throw out to you guys to see what you think. Uh, but uh, this is a player that I'm uh, currently playing against. Uh, and to be quite honest, he shocked me because this particular player Every year uh, he's been in the majors has not posted a triple digit uh, WRC plus uh, stat um, until this, uh, till this season. And now he's, uh, I think, leading the league maybe with five home runs. Uh, Ryan McMahon of the uh, Colorado Rockies um, just kind of decimating right now. And I'm not sure how much longer that's going to stay put. And I'm curious to see what you guys think. Somebody has to hit for the Rockies. And I, I don't think it uh, should go unnoticed that their first series of matchups were in uh, Colorado, because obviously that inflates the numbers. Okay. Of course. Um, is McMahon actually better than he's been in, in the last couple of years when, you know, there was a time where he was a really hot prospect. Uh, I, I, I think that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle on this one. Um, I think when given an opportunity to play 150 games, his stat line at the end of the season is going to be one of those accumulator stats where you're going to look back and be like, how did he do that? But uh, it, I think he's better than, than we remembered. Um, and I think for what it's worth, Colorado just absolutely tearing it down for the 19th time in, in three years um, is uh, they have to play guys. Like there's, there's only so many spots on this roster and, and they really don't have too many talented players. So McMahon's going to play. Um, and I think he's going to continue to get these opportunities. Star, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's the rare move where they did not sign like Astrobal Cabrera to block Ryan McMahon. Like they have so many times in the past. But I think, you know, I think the fact that it looks like finally this guy has got a regular job, that is, you know, good news for him. Uh, you know, them trading Arenado away has opened that up for him. He's the regular third baseman now. No, he didn't start an opening day, I should note. So even, even the Rockies don't seem fully committed. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's, a reg, he's, he's an okay player who's going to see good numbers because he's playing regularly and he's in course field. And I think that makes him valuable. Um, you know, clearly the power is there. I don't, I don't believe in the OPS is like, yeah, 1,200. That's, that's obviously not going not gonna to hold up. But um, you know, he, he's going to be a useful, a good, useful player for Brophy, particularly when he's playing courts where all his games have been so far. Becker, you want to react? No, uh, nothing, nothing for me. I mean, we, we see hot starts all the time. Uh, it's a fine player and it's going to come back to, to, to earth. Soon. Well then why don't you give us your real verse Mirage right now? Yeah, I think, I think real is, um, uh, the works, right? Uh, their offense is just punishing, absolutely punishing. I was looking at their matchup uh, with Josh's team today and 53 RBI, 61 runs, only 14 home runs, though I could see them you know, hitting 20 in some weeks. Uh, we, we knew that um, Dubner's team was going to be terrific on offense. I think he's going to have the pitching. He's gotten great starts from Pineda this week. Uh, Pavetta, Nick Pavetta is back. That's exciting. Uh, I think I think his team is going to be fine. I know he was a little undervalued in Ian's preseason rankings, but I think 
I, I have always seen him as a, as a strong playoff team and championship contender. So I think, I think they are real. And uh, yeah, Mirage is the tones, you know, feel free to sleep on the tones. It's all a mirage. <laughs> I, I, all right. So for a little podcast disagreement, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, I agree that Dubner's offense is amazing. He is kitchen sinking it on pitching and it's disgusting. Uh, like I, that's the only word that I can use that this first week when you can pick and choose your starts, his line on pitching is real gross. Um, so the volume to get the K's worked, but a four Oh seven, uh, ERA at this point, 14 home runs against, are you kidding me? Um, and a whip of 1.4, like those numbers are not going to cut it. So I think that, uh, when it comes to the offense, yes, I, he, I think Dubner's probably going to average seven wins a week. And so he did not belong in the bottom half of Ian's power pole. I agree. Uh, but I think he's going to have a lot of trouble winning pitching week by week. He's got to make some moves. Um, so I will give my quick uh, reel and Mirage, and I have one of each. Um, I'm going to start with the Mirage. Now, first off, I'm going to tip my cap to my opponent this week. I've been watching this, this matchup with Mark, and I even said, last week on the cast that I think Mark is one of the very best in-game managers that LDB has. I'm standing by it. Mark looked at this week before it began and decided long before he knew what any of my things were going to be, that he was only going to start uh, two pitchers. So he's gone with DeGrom and he's gone with a certain ace out of uh, Milwaukee and he gave them both two starts and he's started his relief pitchers for 13 days. And the result is that he's currently sitting against me um, with an absolutely disgusting pitching line of a 2.23 uh, ERA, two home runs against, uh, 1.034 whip. And I had, I, I, I think I'm going to look back on week one. It might prove to be my best pitching week of the season. And I think I'm going to take one out of six categories there. So it's a, a total kick in the you-know-what. Uh, if my line ends up being worse after today, it's because I started Desclafani as a last ditch effort to try to win some of these categories back. I'm also kicking myself for the fact that I benched Cueto and Mats and Lance McCullers in an effort to make Mark come and get me, which he then did. So kudos to you, Mark. Uh, you're a better manager than I am. Um, but I think your team's a mirage because as soon as you need a third pitcher, it's not going to be this pretty anymore. Um, so that's my mirage. Uh, I think the real thing we referenced it earlier if you guys have not had a look at Matt Starr's pitching staff, you need to, okay? I'm going to walk you through a couple things that I've noticed. First off, uh, I apologize to Mr. Corbin Burns and to Matt for doubting him earlier in the offseason, saying, you know, all the analysts were on it. I wanted to see it actually happen. I was wrong. I'm not afraid to admit it when I was wrong because that man looks filthy. Uh, he's up in velocity, and he's, I think he's throwing new pitches now, like on top of everything else. Uh, and he, his K numbers are out of this world good. Um, also, like if you haven't gotten to actually watch Corbin Burns, go do it because whether you're playing against him or not, like it's fun. He is, he is nasty and, and just looking really good. Second one I want to highlight is one that probably from a stats perspective won't be the one that you notice first, and that's Kikuchi. Kikuchi is finally fulfilling on his potential. He's up, I believe, three ticks uh, on, uh, on his fastball, and he's suddenly looking like – even if he gives up some runs, he's going to give some real K upside. Um, and I think Matt's going to enjoy having Kikuchi on his staff. 
I think some of the things that we all were onto before the season began, Tyler Molly, Musgrove, um, they're, they're panning out. I, and we haven't even mentioned Urquidy, who I think like might have the highest upside of all these guys in, in, in a weird sense. So like, I think Matt kind of came up with this island of, uh, of analyst misfit toys uh, in the off season, and it's looking like an absolute juggernaut machine. Kudos, Matt. Um, I think you have one of the best pitching staffs in the league. Um, and, and, and you know the, it's it's unfortunate the the overall stats don't aren't going to bear out like how good the pitching week was because Joe Musgrove was sitting on my bench for that no hitter because I had no reason to start him I'd blown out Nate and the only category that was close was home runs allowed and so there was no reason to start any more starters because the only day all, all I could do was hurt my chances of winning home runs allowed so you know, I, I have a like two eight ERA, but that doesn't include Joe Musgrove's no hitter. Yeah, but uh, I, I will say so. I, I know I got called out pretty hard for my lack of bold predictions uh, my, my last week, but uh, I did. I was going to send a Corbin Burns Cy Young one, but now that doesn't look bold anymore. But maybe a week and a half ago, that might have looked kind of still bold. not bold, not hot. <laughs> Did you like that, that that I called your takes refrigerated? <laughs> Go bolder. <laughs> All right, Matt. I appreciate it. And uh, and I, I hope that you could take that in jest, man, because that it was weird. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say just on, on Burns, um, I, I just I love the guy. Uh, he I, I don't think he's throwing any new pitches, but that cutter is a different pitch than it was in the past. That pitch is unreal. If you guys haven't seen that pitch. And like the how that if you if you look at like the overlay between his sinker and the cutter, it's like not a surprise that nobody can hit. I mean, he's throwing a cutter like 98, which is absurd in and of itself. But the fact that it like mirrors his other pitches in such perfect ways. I mean, he's he's a Burns is a nerd. Like he's you know he went and developed these pitches in the lab essentially, and you know plus he's got nasty raw ability, which makes him you know very dangerous. <laughs> And very fun to watch. I agree. I think he's a really fun guy to watch. Pitch. All right. Um, any last thoughts on that segment before I move us along to the next thing? Real mirage that we didn't hit on. Yeah, I, look, every week we neglect Josh. Every single week we forget to talk about Josh. And I, I, I guess I'm going to throw him a tiny bit of, I, I want to say love, but it's the wrong word. I feel for Josh. Josh, if you're listening, it gets better. Okay. Hang in there, buddy. Uh, I know your entire roster is currently in a hospital, but it does get better, okay? Um, and yes, you may be losing to Dubner, and it might be ugly, but I do think that your team, when it heals, has potential. So, um, and Josh, I know we, we hope to bring you on pretty soon uh, to this cast to, to, to talk about your sorrows in person. So, um, and I'm right there with you, actually. I think I'm, I'm probably the second uh, least lucky team so far in terms of health. Um, all right, the last bit on the MLB before we get into next week's uh, game of the week. I, I really just wanted to catch all. Anything you guys are worried about? Um, like any any MLB trends, any any players, any anybody on your own teams that you're like, wow, I got that one wrong. Oh, I'm worried about Hiura. I mean, uh, I think he went 0 for 15 uh, for his first few starts. Uh, now, granted, he's come back over the last couple of games, and, uh, you know, racked up a few RBIs, a home run, double. Um, 
but um, it's now getting to the point where he is, you know, they moved him to first base. Uh, he's now having to share first base with, uh, with Vogelbach. Um, I mean, if, if he's not able to hit, um, he, you know, might be uh, sharing first base uh, with Vogelbach. And I, I don't see them moving him back to second anytime soon. I mean, I granted Wong is out, but uh, uh, even still. Uh, just a just a poor defense on that side so i would say that's probably my number one concern being that he's on my team my number one concern as a, a real baseball fan of the washington nationals is the washington nationals they're one in four as we record this and i think by the time this podcast comes out uh they'll be one in five they're facing clayton kershaw tonight even though they have max on the mound but they they've looked bad uh, they've been without some key players for COVID reasons, and it is unclear how long that may still be the case. Uh, I'm not sure when they're getting Schwarber back or, or Josh Bell, um, but with three tough games uh, in St. Louis against the Cardinals, I could totally see them starting one and eight, and that uh, that scares me. I think it's deserved, but it scares me as a fan. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the Nats. It's, I mean, the, unfortunately, the, the COVID stuff is, the, the Nats were not a deep team to begin with. They were a very top-heavy team, and they didn't have the depth. To, they don't have the depth to weather this sort of thing, unfortunately. Um, so I, I, this is the kind of thing that, like, they could not deal with and the kind of thing that could, like, derail their season. Unfortunately, it happened, you know, over the week. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys chiming in on that. And I do feel for the Nats. I mean, I, I, I think we were all hoping for a COVID free season and right out of the gate. Right. And, and now we're missing some, some players still. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, I'm going to give one last one that like is perpetually my worry. And that's Aaron judge's health. Um, Aaron judge, like seemingly, seemingly came out of the gates, hit three home runs, nothing was wrong. And then all of a sudden missed three and a half days because his side hurt him from swinging too hard. This bodes poorly. Um, I don't really know what to say. Uh, at this point, I expect it. I'm just like, if you're going to get hurt from swinging too hard, you probably are in the wrong career, um, except that he's really good at swinging too hard. So I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, I think it's especially concerning because that is exactly the injury that derailed his 2019 season. He had an oblique injury from swinging too hard. It ultimately cost him two months of the season. And he, he did come back in Homer yesterday. So I will say that. Um, so I, he looks fine-ish, but I'm just never going to really relax having Aaron Judge on my roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I, I just wonder, like, a guy, can a guy, like, just stay healthy at that size? You know, he's just so huge. Not that he's, like, unhealthily huge. He's just a huge dude very much with, you know, just a huge body frame and a lot of muscles. So is what you're saying, his Dungeons and Dragons character would be Matt Brophy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, Peterson is giggling. I, then that, that, that means I achieved my goal there. All right, um, let's take it to the matchup of the week. Now I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna pass over what I think is the true matchup of the week uh, with all due respect. Um, and that would be me against Jorvi because we covered Jorvi in the matchup of the week last week. And I'm gonna set a policy that we can't cover the same team twice. Um, instead, I'm going to go with the choice against the wind. I think that it's a key matchup uh, in uh, that division. Um, 
And uh, I'm sorry for not giving you guys warning on that one. I probably should have done a better job, but let's have a, a click through on that one. Um, they play each other. It looks like the home team, I believe, is Brophy. Um, and so I, I don't think there's a better way than just actually clicking through on each each uh, each team. So uh, why don't I start with you, Star? Who do you give the edge to in this in this matchup? Uh, I'm digging in. Hold on. Give me one second. Just pull up their their matchup stats. I would like to see. It looks like Sean's pitching struggled. I'm trying to figure out why. Do we know how many starts uh, Bieber is going to have next week? I think that might be a, a good indicator. I think Bieber pitched yesterday. Did he not? No. He, I, if Bieber gets two, you, you favor him? That's what you're saying? Yeah, I do. Otherwise, I like Brophy's depth. I mean, Berrios is pitching pretty darn well right now, too, right? And and Berrios, I think, is Brophy's fourth best pitcher. So that it's going to be an interesting pitching line for sure. Um, and, you know, Brophy actually is making it work with his with his hitters right now. Cronenworth's off to a good start. McMahon, as you already pointed out, is, is, is off to a very good start. Um, we have not seen anything out of Mike Yastrzemski. I, maybe that's a guy we should be worried about, by the way, guys. He's hitting 100 right now. Um, yeah. Buxton's playing his ass off right now. Yeah, Buxton looks great right now. I, it's like, are we are we finally getting the Byron Buxton breakout that we've been waiting for? for all I think weeks? so. It's like maybe, maybe it is happening. He looks, and I don't know if you, he looks like fucking Ronald Acuna out there right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Sean's hitting is not the strength of his team, but. Uh, Devers is off to a decent start. Story's yet to hit his first home run. That that worries me a little. Um, but I think this should be a really good match. And I, I think they're actually pretty evenly matched. I'm not going to be surprised to see this one go either way. But uh, it's always important to get that early lead. I think I, the underrated thing about the early season, you guys made fun of me for the match of the week last week. But I think the underrated part that I've observed is that it puts you in a, in a clear frame of mind for trading. If you have first place, in your back pocket, as you get to week eight, you know what you're doing. Um, if you're in third place and you believe in your squad, it's a lot harder to put push the chips all in. Um, so, Becker, one one thing about Sean's team, just looking at it real quick, um, I think the the Gallon injury really exposed maybe a, a lack of starting pitcher depth that I didn't fully appreciate. Especially Luzardo does not look great right now, and you know he's he's going to have to rely on you know, a not great group of starters, guys like Drew Smiley and uh, Dallas Keuchel to really get him through the next few weeks, especially if Luzardo doesn't turn it around because it's kind of Shane Bieber and a bunch of question marks right now without Gallon. Gallon might pitch next week. Uh, oh, if, if Gallon's back, that, that's huge for him. I, don't, I actually didn't know he was. So I, I've heard I've heard rumors that he'll start on Tuesday, actually. And, and on oh, top wow. of that, um, I'm surprised you're not in on the Smiley train. Smiley's, I think a lot of a lot of people like Smiley right now. I see Becker nodding. Smiley's Becker. a good player. I I, I watched him pitch. Uh, I try to watch as much MLB as possible, and uh, he looked filthy. So yeah, I, I, mean, I immediately regretted not trading for him. I, but I'm not one. I've, I've never doubted Drew Smiley's talent. I don't. You know, I'm going to talk about him in the same vein as I would a guy like Nadi Evaldi. Like these guys, the talent is never the question. Like talk to me in a month when he's on the IL. You know, that's, that's how I feel about you smiling. So maybe Peterson, I'm going to give you the last word on this because this is your division, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and maybe in answering it, you don't even have to think about like who's pitching against who this week and who you actually think is going to win. 
at the end of the season, who are you more afraid of, right? You know, are you afraid of Brophy right now or, or Sean? Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, <laughs> every season I'm afraid of Brophy. Uh, but I would say, given the improvements that have been made to teams between those two, I would say Sean. Um, Sean has, I mean, just bringing up his team here real quick. I mean, between Devers doing great and he's got Bieber and uh, I mean, we'd already talked about Smiley. Um, I mean, Kimbrell as a, as a reliever, he's having a phenomenal season so far. It looks like Kimbrell of old. Uh, you've got uh, Merriweather who has become one of the uh, rock star relievers of the season, just very short season so far. Um, I don't know. I just, it's, as I said uh, before, Brophy is always the lumbering giant, but I feel like Sean could really uh, would be always the one that I'm afraid of for this uh, for this uh, season. Uh, I'm going back a segment before I say final thoughts. JD Martinez is back. He is back, guys. He's had two home runs already today. Um, that guy's 2019, you can or 2020, whatever it was, you can forget it. It didn't happen. Because that guy is back, and I'm thrilled that I have him at 27 million, and you're all idiots. So uh, let's move on to our final thoughts. Um, and uh, before we do, uh, Peterson, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I gotta say, to, to, this I'm gonna take a, a personal moment. Uh, for me, uh, LDB has given a crew of guys that I never would have met otherwise, and that now I consider you know really good friends. And Peterson, I enjoy the fact that you and I are texting from time to time now. I, I consider you a brother from another mother uh, that, you know, we have a lot of same interests. So it's pretty fun. Poker and board games, all the, the whole nine yards. And maybe one day you can dungeon master for me in my very first Dungeons and Dragons game. I appreciate that, Chris. So thank uh, you I, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, always a pleasure. And uh, I, I would say likewise, um, I think uh, early in our, each of our early LDB careers, I don't think you and I, mesh particularly well but i would gotta say most improved relationship within ldb would be <laughs> you you and me chris and that i uh, i am ab absolutely uh, smitten with you as a person what about chris and ryan uh, for most I, improved we did make our first trade two years ago uh which was a good sign me and ryan so and, and trading with ryan's tough to do he does not like to trade very much um, final thoughts, guys. Uh, anyone on a, a final thought that you want to chime in on? I, I've just enjoyed having Jeff in, in as a guest. Um, I, I do not share his love for Dungeons and Dragons, but I, I do very much appreciate his passion for Dungeons and Dragons. Just just watching him on uh, this video explain the characters and who is what, uh, you can tell there's like, he's very tickled by that. So thank you, Jeff. Really enjoyed it. Happy to... Uh... Happy to oblige. Star, final thoughts from you, buddy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd echo that what we are, that it was great having Jeff on. And that was that was a wonderful segment. Uh, we, no one talked about Yerman Mercedes, but, you know, that guy is short and fat and looks like he can hit. <laughs> I was reading up on uh, Yerman Mercedes' uh, uh, fan graphs, like they, what they do for the, uh, um, for the prospects. And going back for the White Sox, I think they had theirs back in uh, December, uh, earlier this December. And I think they just called him, he's, he's fat or strong or both. And, it, it, and I, it, he came out of nowhere. And I think it's wonderful to watch him play. He's a real character.
I agree. I he's like he's like our new Williams Estadio, you know. <laughs> he's what he's what Willie Calhoun was supposed to be. Right. Yes, that, that's a great oh. comparison. Uh, he's what Willie Calhoun was supposed to be. Uh, I'm gonna say one last thing since I went to that cheesy place. Uh, we got to start planning next year's draft in person because I actually credit my friendship with Peterson to drafting in person and having some beers uh, over the years. Um, so I, I think that that's a it's a it's a fun thing to be able to do, and I think we got to do it blowout style next year, given that we had to do the last two seasons in just the the worst fashion possible. So uh, with that, I think we can sign off, guys. Thank you very much, and uh, I wish everybody a very successful week too. Best of luck, guys. Good to see you guys.